0: Jesus came, although the doors were locked, and stood in their midst and said, "'Peace be with you.' Then he said to Thomas, "'Put your finger here, and see my hands, and bring your hand, and put it into my side, and do not be unbelieving, but believe.' Thomas answered and said to him, "'My Lord and my God.' Jesus said to him, "'Have you come to believe because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and have believed.' Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book, but these are written that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that through this belief you may have life in his name. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So we all ask the question of this new series I'm proposing, what's next? Because we can't help but be forward-thinking, think about our future, what's next? You know, you have a a major moment in your life, you you know, graduation, or you take a new job, or you finish a project, or maybe you retire from your job, or you have a big life event, maybe you get married or have kids or, or launch the kids and become an empty nester, become a grandparent, all these big events in life as well, you can't help but ask, "What's next?" And even as we go along in life and maybe get upwards in the seasons of life, then health begins to be kind of a problem for us, or concern, and we get maybe a little little tense, a little scared, and maybe even there ask, "What's next?" But I'd like you to think about it, because I'm going to guess every single one of us here today think about there's something going on in your life right now, and you're going, yeah, what's next? What's next? What's next for me? And then kind of, I think together we ask, what's next? As we're hopefully coming closer to the end of this pandemic, what's next? And then we think about our country, the economy, all of our social issues. What's next? Or there's our church, right? I mean, we're, look, look at us. We're coming back together again as a church. And in a few weeks, we're going to find out who our new pastor is going to be, and we've got a new worship leader coming. What what's, what's next? Now, of course, it depends on your perspective and what you maybe think is next. You might, on the one hand, be petrified or pessimistic, or, on the other hand, excited and filled with anticipation. But either way, I suspect that you are probably trying to prepare yourself for what's next. You, You want to get ready for what's next. And in a way, that's a good thing. But on the other hand, sometimes I think we believe if we can be ready, if we can be prepared for what's next, then we can have some sense of control over what's going to happen. There's a little bit of control freak in all of us, right? We want to be in control. But to be the master of the obvious, of course, we're not in control We don't know what's next. And we can have the illusion of being in control, self-delusion. We don't want to think about this too long because it probably would freak us out too much. But the truth is, we're just one moment away, or one phone call away, or a doctor's visit away, or just driving through an intersection away from things being completely outside of our control what I think our readings, all three of them do for us today, and I'm going to try to tie them together, is they teach us that we need something more than control. Let's start with the Acts of the Apostles, our first reading. We like money and we like possessions because they give us a sense of control, don't they? We can buy what we want, we can get what we want, do what we want when we've got The money, but these very first Christians, not long after Jesus rose from the dead, these very first Christians are are giving everything away. I mean, they're not just giving their surplus funds or their leftovers or the things they don't use anymore, and then they're just going to put it in the church garage sale. No, 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 they're giving away, they're selling their houses, their properties, their money, they're giving it all away. That's crazy. And if we put ourselves in their shoes, we're going, okay, then what's next? What are we going to do if I give everything away? But they didn't seem to be concerned about that at all. They weren't worried about a thing. The only thing they cared about is taking care of people in need right now. you got to ask yourself, how did they get to that point? Well, let's go to the gospel reading because it takes us there. So first you have those ten disciples that are locked up in fear. They're they're sort of hunkered down there in that upper room because they're scared. Over the last year, we've all done a lot of hunkering down, have we not? Right? We've we've tried to play it safe and, and, and protect things. And again, I think we can have this illusion that if we do all the right things, if we play it safe, if we just sort of hunker down, if we... We get, all get inoculated and immunized and, and we stay isolated, that we can actually keep bad things away. We, we can actually protect ourselves from all the bad things that could possibly happen to us. We, it's delusional, I know, but we kind of think that, don't we? Or parents, think about how much energy we spend trying to make sure our kids don't get hurt and they don't have accidents or that they don't fail. Oh. But it doesn't work. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying we shouldn't be cautious, that we shouldn't try to be safe and do everything we possibly can. Of course we should. We should not be reckless people. But here's what I'm driving at. We can take that, as with everything, to a total extreme, right? What happens to us is we think, oh, we're so hunkered down in fear of something bad happening, or, or we're so afraid of dying that we stop living. What happens next? Well, Jesus breaks in, doesn't he? And he finds those disciples locked up there in fear. The one who was crucified now shows himself to them. He shows them his hands and his sides. He breathes on them, the freshly risen Lord, breathes life upon them and gives them to his Holy Spirit. And then he says, I'm sending you out as the Father has sent me, so I am now sending you. And so these ten go from being locked up in fear, hunkered down in fear, to now they're filled with great joy and they have a whole new purpose for their lives. Yeah, but one of them was missing, wasn't he? Good old Thomas. Now, you talk about the need to control. <laughs> unless I see his hands, unless I put my finger into the holes, I put my hand into his side, unless it's on my terms and according to my understanding, unless I'm in charge, I'm in control, I get to decide. But the good news is, is that Jesus is so patient with him and with us. I mean, that Jesus loves Thomas so Much, he comes back that second time just for Thomas, just for him. Because Jesus wants to move him from unbelief to my Lord and my God. Now, what I think all three of these instances the Acts of the Apostles, the Ten Disciples, and then Thomas I think what they do for us is they show us that they they had something more powerful than control, they became convinced that's the difference. We don't need control. What we need to be is convinced. The word convinced, its Latin root is "convincere," which means something like with victory or with conquering. Friends, we've got to be convinced. We've got to be with the victory of Jesus, the one who was crucified but now is alive and has conquered our death. What's next? I don't know. I mean, I know ultimately, right? I know what's next. You know what's next. We die or Jesus comes again, one of those two, and then we rise and we live with him forever. But everything else, what's next, don't know. But you know what? I, here's what I, I'm convinced. I'm convinced because I'm with the victory of Jesus. How do you get convinced? You just convince yourself? You make up, I'm going to make up my mind. I'm convinced. It's It's all gift just like Jesus did with those disciples, He does with us again this morning. He he breathes on them, and He gives them the gift of His Holy Spirit. And it's that Spirit that convinces us and brings us to faith and belief. Now, you could be apathetic and care less and ignore that, or you could even be stubborn and just sort of like, you know, like a little kid say, I'm just going to hold my breath until I turn blue in the face, and I'm not going to breathe. Or you can inhale and take into yourself the gift, the breath that he is breathing on you, the Holy Spirit who comes on you and who brings that faith into your heart so that you can say, my Lord and my God. But of course, that means you give up control because now he's in control. He's my Lord. He's my God. But that doesn't mean Jesus is controlling. I think sometimes we misunderstand things. Jesus just wants to control my life, every little thing in my life. I'm just going to be his little minion, his little slave. He's just so controlling. No, no, no. Jesus gives us peace. I mean, he said it three times in this gospel reading, peace be with you. Because, see, when you give up... (laughs) your useless attempts to try to control everything, when you give up your worries and your anxieties and your fears and you give that all over to Jesus and He instead then gives you His victory, the certainty of His victory, (laughs) then you get peace. You will have peace in your life. You've got to be convinced. Here's something I'm convinced of. What this world needs right now more than anything else is they need for Christians to be convinced. Because our world is confused. Our world is strange. Our world is angry and filled with hate and division. Our, our, our world has got a lot of hopelessness and a lot of despair. Oh, it does a very good job of putting on a good front, doesn't it, when we're so progressive and we got things all figured out? Oh, forget about that. What this world needs is for us as Christians to be convinced people, you, me, saying, my Lord and my God, I'm with the victory of Jesus, and he's given it to me, because no matter the front this world would want to put on and portray for us, it's scared to death, it's freaking out, we're the ones, friends, we are the ones who can move forward, because we, we have courage, we have hope. We have optimism. We have peace. We're convinced—not that we know what's next. I mean, ultimately, yes, but what's next? We don't know any more than anybody else. Not that we think it's all going to turn out well for us. That everything's going to go exactly the way. No, no, none of that. We're convinced that we have the victory of Jesus. We're convinced, and what we have then. We can share. We can give. That's why Jesus sends us out to this crazy world. I want to finish by looking then at that middle reading from 1 John, if we can put it up there. That reading from 1 John speaks of, uh, of, of the victory that is ours. And what I want you to do, I'm going to give you a moment to just meditate on the, this verse. But I want you to breathe deeply. Because the word of God, Jesus talks about how his words are spirit and truth. He breathes his holy word out on us to create faith in us. So I want you to inhale and take these words into yourself. And as you do, here's what I want you to ask yourself honestly. Am I convinced? Not just do I, yeah, oh yeah, I'm convinced. No, no, am I convinced? Do I act like it? Do I live like it? Listen to these words. Whoever is born of God conquers the world. And the victory that conquers the world is our faith. Who indeed is the victor over the world but the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Inhale those words for a moment and ask yourself Am I convinced?